Maximum Health with your host, Dr. Ken Gray. With over 20 years in healthcare, Dr. Gray is a doctor of oriental medicine and holistic physician fusing Eastern and Western healing. Dr. Gray is on staff at Jupiter Medical Center and in private practice with an office in Jupiter, Florida, where he resides. Dr. Gray enjoys being a physician as well as being an educator. His unique approach to holistic healing has taken him abroad to lecture in Baden-Baden, Germany, and treat sports professionals in Hawaii and Biarritz, France. He is co author of several books on food therapy and the founder of the annual Star Summit Talks at the Norton Museum of Art in Palm Beach, Florida. Now it's time for Maximum Health with Dr. Ken Gray. Welcome back, everyone. This is Maximum Health Radio, quality living with yours truly, Dr. Ken Gray. Thank you for joining us. We have a wonderful guest in the studio with us today, uh, Ms. Taylor Sr. We thank Hello. you for joining us uh, from TaylorMade Designs. And um, we, we started talking, we were introduced by a uh, dear friend, a mutual friend, uh, Dr. Townley Peters. And uh, the thing that brought us together was that she has an integrative and holistic approach to home life and design, which, you know, I've spoken before about the importance of healing in all its facets, not only what we put in our bodies or do to our bodies, but what we surround ourselves with, what we listen to, uh, all of its food, you know, and uh, our home is an extension of ourselves. And I really thought this would be a great conversation to have about how do you approach design of the home from a holistic standpoint. So thank you for joining us for this conversation. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, yeah I, I completely align with everything that you just said. It's um, I really believe that our outside surroundings can really affect support or not support our wellness and um, sanity and our overall health goals. Um, and there's a lot of also subconscious things that I see that go into someone's home. So when I see a client, sometimes it's really obvious to me what, what's off um, within the house. And it's always surprising when it's not when that's news to them, yeah. you know, and yeah. sometimes it's so simple. It can be that there's a pile of clutter that always lives in one spot or there's an there's a room that's kind of ignored or, you know, and I look at that as pl pieces of parts of ourselves that we ignore. And um, so my perspective is that as we align our outer world in our most personal area, the home, we help to support and align our inner worlds mm. and live our lives more authentically and live our values for ourselves and for our families. And um, some people, you know, I, I offer a whole different range of services because I, I really want it to be accessible. And a lot of people just want a little help navigating design. You know, there's so much that is um, direct to consumer now. You don't need an interior designer to make your house beautiful and to get yeah. access to nice things, but also that can lead to overwhelm. Right. And so a lot of people, um, sometimes they know something is off in the house. Like, I don't know this room, just, mm, you know? Yeah. But I don't know what it is. And so I like to, you know, I go in and I'll help them figure out what it is, what they want it to be, what's missing. Um, yeah. The the idea of um, the ancient art of feng shui comes to mind. 
Are you trained in that at all? Have you read about it? Have I am not. I, I would say I have any of its principles. I am familiar with the principles. I have a light understanding of it. I have yeah. a somewhat intuitive understanding of it, but it's very complex. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I have not delved deeply into it yet, but that is on my list. So yours is more of a holistic in the sense of just like a Western thought, like like based upon what you've learned through what, what, how, what do you bring in? What teachings do you bring in? What experiences um, do you bring in? My background is um, I'm a 200-hour certified yoga practitioner. I um, have a certification in Ayurveda. Mm -hmm. um, these are just things that I followed out of curiosity. Right. Um, out of an interest, I've studied about Chinese medicine. I'm not an expert in any of these fields by right. any means, but it's part of my practice and part of how I see the world right. um, and part of how I see balance or I, how I identify balance mm. um, and identify harmony or disharmony, right? You know, as you know, as a practicing Chinese medicine and you know, Ayurveda, for example, not Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, um, it brings in a lot of the elements, right? And so you, that's how you sort of read how things are balanced or not balanced and how to sure. rebalance. And I know that's similar in Chinese medicine. Yeah. And so it just informs how I, um, I guess, identify and take in information. Right. Um, and you have a background, we were talking off air about um, your aesthetic background, which is in graphic Yes. Art. So you you have an eye for color and arrangement, and this is that representation in a living, yeah, surround in your living surroundings rather than just on two uh, D or. <laughs> it's it's funny because um, I think you know when I even look back at at being a child, I always was inclined. You know, as many people are, you figure out what it was yeah. you were inclined to. And I was always inclined to making things beautiful. It was drawing, if it was uh, my dollhouse, if it was making jewelry, if it was dressing up my friends to go out at night. Um, and so it's had design has had many iterations in my life already. And yes, my my professional background at, at a point was um, graphic design completely, right. graphic design and print and magazines and then eventually in the digital world. And as I went more digital, I just had started having this craving for things being solidified in this world, mm -hmm. you know, here. Like, it's not going to change tomorrow. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be relaunched. Um, pretty much what you help someone do in their home is going to be more or less what's their bubble right. for, you know, probably at least 10 years. It's got a lot more longevity. And... and um, there's something comforting to me about that. It's nice to it just... Sounds good um, and comforting. And uh, it, it makes me think, how would one build this living, breathing uh, work of art? You know, because it's like when you have a canvas, you know, you've got to put your background, you know, you've got to prepare it and do all this. And then you start with maybe, you know, some of the other background aspects and then move to the foreground and then texture or whatever it is. Mm. Um, so when you approach a space, what are some of the rules that you maybe have, those silent rules within yourself that is just typically how you would approach a space? Well, I always start with 
the person and what's going on with them. And I think this is, you know, potentially where my approach varies from uh, a more traditional interior designer. Um, I have a questionnaire that I like to give my clients that helps, that has questions on it that I know are unexpected coming from uh, a designer. And so, for example, you know, I ask about the quality of their sleep about their energy levels throughout the day, about favorite foods, about how many, you know, what their family is like, um, because I'm trying to get an understanding if there's um, any level of disruption in mm. in their overall energy field. If they wake up all the time in the middle of the night and then I look, for example, if someone wakes up in the middle of the night multiple times, I would look at their bedroom and be looking around for what element in there or what um, arrangement of elements could be causing, even if it's not causing the disturbance, could be not supporting uh, the alignment. Um, and that can be things along the feng shui lines, like a mirror right at the end of your bed. You know, it, it's, it can be startling when you see something move in the reflection or the bed in relation to the doorway can mm -hmm. make you feel insecure. And so all these kinds of things, I, I would say that's how I then look at it. And then I start moving backward from there. Like, okay, okay what is not supportive of what this person needs? And then... Um, and then I tend to draw, go towards colors a lot. So I would say, you know, I'm inspired by color. So I kind of draw what their colors are, um, you know, what they lean to. And I tend to go with a palette. Or if there's one piece of art or one item that the, the client loves that can be a jump off point, that's... Um, that's all often the best inspiration for me. And then layers, just like keep layering it on as you start. I like to kind of build as I go. So as those things start to reveal themselves and come into place, then yeah. you see room for something else. Have you had the opportunities yet to work with um, a space which also has young children? Because as we know, there are those clients um, which they desire your services and the picture is something well-kept and more for entertaining in an adult mm -hmm. setting and that sort of thing when you think of interior design. Uh, very rarely do we think of families with young children and all of that, but they do that too. They, they, they need that as well, and, but, but it's different. Yeah. <laughs> the choices and textures, furniture, surfaces, edges. Right. Absolutely. In fact, though, that is the majority of my clients are young families with children. Well, that's beautiful to hear. And um, sometimes it's funny because you go through a process. I had one recently who he, he wanted uh, his background is Greek and he wanted white sofas and white, 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 white and yeah, white yeah. and blue. Yeah. And I just had to break it to him gently over yeah. time that. You have two young kids. Your yeah. white won't be white. No. Not far from <laughs> you know, that. your white won't be white. And yeah. it's just that's that's the reality. And so then the challenge becomes how can I satisfy that aesthetic, mm. that person's ideal yeah. aesthetic? Like what are they looking for, really? Are they looking for cl clean and crisp or? Is he looking, right? yeah, for the feel of home or something that ties or, culturally? Yeah, or is it more like or, cultural, yeah. 
you know? So it's sort of reading between the lines. How can I then give them what they want by being practical? Because there's both. There's definitely the culture of where he comes from and trying to represent that in his home. But then there's the other feeling of, okay, is white, what does white mean to you? Right. Is it lightness and cleanliness and, Um, you know? I, I am very practical, and sometimes to my own dismay. So <laughs> I also have an aesthetic of, oh, this will be so beautiful. And, yeah. you know, and then I get to the the care, the maintenance of something, and I'm like, I am just not willing to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not willing to sand that down and refinish it every year or right. twice a year. It's not going to happen. Right. And so I think that's really important also with clients is bringing them the reality of what some of those choices will mean maintenance wise yeah maintenance wise and i just had a, another conversation with a client about um she was debating with her friends is it worth investing in furniture when you have small children at home and my answer to her is in terms of um quality i believe it is worth to as much as you can afford you know sure. within your button within your your range i think it's best to get the best quality that you can but be using fabrics that Mm. can disguise that are um you know durable that are made for that are made for life right that are made for that and then you get the longevity of the piece of furniture and you can always reupholster it later down the line so speaking of these homes with families what what would a you do in the room of a young child because you would typically think okay if it's a a young um, girl they're gonna want the princess setting (laughs) and the the bed with the trail I mean whatever (laughs) (laughs) Um, and if it's a boy they're gonna want a race car bed and you know all that sort of stuff comes to mind but that's probably not you're probably going a little bit deeper and more Yeah. Um, Interesting than that. Well, I would, you know, if any parent is is employing me to come and help them with their child's room, um, it means to me, it means I want this to look nice. I don't want it to look designed by my seven year old. You know, (laughs) (laughs) so I think it's what 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 really. Your pink is not going to necessarily be the palette for the right. Book. What yeah. I'm really there for, right, is to bridge the gap. Yeah. Is to make it appealing to both yes. and make both feel that they're getting what they want. Right. So the parent can feel this is a an extent a, a beautiful extension of my house that right. isn't covered in glitter. Right. Um, but that does reflect my daughter, mm-hmm. or my son, or whatever. Um, so I would tend to. Um, get a sense from the parent what their aesthetic is first overall and look around the rest of the house and understand that. And then I would speak to the child and find out the things that they like and see where we can actually bring them in um, that have less permanence. So for example, the boy loves race cars. I would probably find race car sheets. Why? Mm. You can get rid of the sheets. I would not put race cars all over the walls. Right. You know, things that I'm a big fan. I would say my overall approach probably is keeping the surroundings, the the architectural elements fairly neutral. And you can do add all the personality in 
um, everything that goes on top in the furnishings, in the throw pillows, in the mm-hmm. sheets, in the blankets, in the wallpaper, even right. things that are easier to remove. So you're not so committed yep. later down the line, you know, with race cars painted on the walls. Yeah. What are some of the more extraordinary um, uh, designs for an adult space? Has there been anything that stuck out in your mind as, wow, you know, uh, at first I didn't know how this was going to work, but then we did it, and this is what came out of it? Well, recently, uh, the first thing that comes to mind, I'm I'm not going to say it's shocking, but it was very satisfying. Um, It was an office design, um, which our friend may have told you about, and I, (laughs) when I came to visit her house, she was showing me around and she showed me her office and I was actually in shock because the desk that she was working at and she's a tall woman like I am and she has a history of neck problems um, and neck pain and her desk was so small mm-hmm. it was so narrow it, it wasn't wide and it was also the, the, the depth was so shallow so she barely had the computer on there and all the piles of paper all around and I just looked at it and I you felt in my pain. body I felt the pain you know yeah, I felt like the ergonomics were just the ergonomics were so off and I just looked at the size of the room and all the other stuff that was in it and I I said oh we can do better mm-hmm, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know we can yeah. do better yeah. and part of the doing better was she wanted to make the investment but that also gave me um the open palette to yeah. be able to give her a really long desk yeah. and all the storage and just have it built in and mm. and um i really the ergonomic factor is it really is a big deal you know as you know treating people i'm oh, sure it's, huge. it's one of the things i ask because we spend so much time at our desk so much time um, when it when you look at healing from that standpoint that's pretty you know, um, direct, right? So that's going in, you're seeing a cause and effect opportunity. Um, do you get into other types of healing with spaces? Uh, say, for instance, emotional healing or spiritual healing or anything like that? Because, you know, there are people that believe in utilizing crystals or semi-precious stones in a space, um, obviously works of art, uh, photography, all these things to either lessen stress um, and, and lessen anxiety or transport a space so that it becomes a space of, of healing in different forms. So what are some of the tools that you implement? Absolutely. I love that question. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a big fan of crystals. I, I like to um, give a large quartz crystal to my clients when I'm done with a significant um, project. I have them all over my house. Those are the ones I'm partial to. It. There's, quartz. Yeah. They, Why quartz? Um, it's once I, a, a while ago I read if you're not sure what stone, go for quartz because it's all encompassing. But then I just found I kept that in the back of my mind. Oh, that's interesting to tell people. Um, but really, my rule of thumb is go what you're drawn to, and okay. I happen to be drawn to quartz. I think it's fascinating. I just imagine the big pieces, you know, like where they are in the earth, and they come from such a deep, deep, profound mm-hmm. place, mm-hmm. and um, they really do hold charge. And you can tell when one has lost its, when it needs to be recharged, um, y- it becomes dull. And you can you 
as you tune more to them, you can tell. Yeah. And so when I see that they just don't look that uh, that impressive anymore, I know that's time to bring it outside, put it on the earth, and let the sun, um, you know, clean it basically. But uh, I I like to use that. Also, sometimes I find in places um, it doesn't happen that often, but it happens where I'll walk into a space and just feel some some type of energy. Either I'll start to feel like I can't breathe very easily or, or just something is off. Sometimes it's just really hard to put a finger on it. So I do keep sage and Palo Santo with me um, or tell the owner that they should just sage the area. You don't need necessarily someone to do a big ceremony to clear a space. I mean, I'm, I'm not undervaluing that uh because there is value in it right. but also doing it yourself with some maintenance and just burning palo santo or burning sage in areas that don't feel quite right really yeah. just helps to clear out the area and it's one of those ancient techniques yeah and you know going back to the charging and the cleansing or what have you of crystals you know for the listeners that may not understand that portion it might be good to just touch on that um that there's an element of of life to everything right vibration to everything even rocks and um that's why when we go to places like uh our family went to um uh, some of the vortexes mm. uh this past summer and you know these are these are if you look at them they're just rocks but they're on places of the earth which is a living thing yeah um and i guess ley lines they call them like if you want to think of it as just major intersections of energy pathways in these vortexes exist so uh, you know in the ground they have you you have all over the world different things like amethysts and quartz and all these different semi-precious stones which have energy right and, and have properties and have uh sort of a cause and effect to them so when we use them or they're subject to certain surroundings and just like us, certain radio waves or radiation or what have you, they get dull, mm. like we get dull. Mm -hmm. And so what do we do when we get dull? We go to these places to recharge. We go to the sun, the beach, the, you know, we cleanse with the salt. Yeah. So same thing with the crystals, you know, you cleanse them with salt and then you recharge them with sun or full moon, right? Yeah, So absolutely. Um, so I thought we should just yes <laughs> touch on that because i you know it's some of us it's not foreign but i think a lot of people don't understand where the crystals play into life and living things and yeah and i think that um it's it's all that is all in the realm of the subtle energies right mm -hmm. um so as you said the earth is a living organism mm -hmm. And just the way our bodies are, right? So the way that we need to run the energy through our bodies and the way it gets blocked and causes disease is the mm -hmm. same within the earth mm -hmm. as is the same within our homes. Right. And so that's where it comes full circle. I think circle. that's where yeah. it all comes full circle yeah. is keeping the energy lines moving smoothly and not mm -hmm. getting blocked. And crystals are a way to kind of help keep the energy moving mm -hmm. and as they can get blocked, as we can get blocked, as the home energy can get blocked, as the earth can get blocked, mm -hmm. then we start seeing dysfunction. Right. So always important to cleanse and recharge 
yeah. all of our spaces. Do you like using fountains and running water and things like that too? I do. Um, I, I know that's a huge part of feng shui, so I'm not, as I said in the beginning, and I'm not you know, fully yeah. versed on that, but there are places that just call for it right. sometimes. Yeah. Right now I'm working on a, um, a flip that has a small cart courtyard outside, and as soon as I saw it, I thought that needs water in the middle because okay. it felt stuck. The area, the way that it was closed off, it had all this potential, but it feels like the energy gets trapped there. So water is a great way to keep things um, breaking it up and, you know, down to the atoms, yeah. moving the air. And art and photography. Oh, do you, yeah. Do you work with any in particular, just nature or does it matter? Um no, I would say nothing in particular. I I just go with what I gravitate towards, right. but I do tend to lean towards um, nature. I think wherever you can bring nature inside the house is going to be a boon, um, subconsciously, uh, subtly, psychically. You know, bringing plants in, bringing mm -hmm. flowers in, all those elements have a spirit of their own um, that can have a profound effect on us. And I yeah. think that generally we modern humans underestimate the power of those subtle yeah. elements. And I'm sure there's an, a mutual interview process that happens between you and whether or not you accept a client or whether or not a client accepts you. So how does that look usually? Yeah, you just know, you know, yeah. you know, if you're not speaking a language that either that they either don't get or they're not interested in. Mm -hmm. And then it's just not a match. Right. You know, so it's just important. not a match. And so you kind of have to just let it go. Yeah. Sometimes I've lost, um, you know, a bid for something. But deep down, I knew it wasn't for you. It wasn't for me. Yeah. You it's know, a, when, it, when you're approaching from a healing standpoint, it has to be mutual. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah. You can, you know, you can only yeah. bring someone as far as they're willing yeah. to go. Yeah. And it's hard sometimes because you do want to do good for as many as you can. But you're not always meant to do good for everyone. No. You know, especially if that little by little, yeah. right? <laughs> so this is uh, Taylor Senior, and uh, this has been a wonderful Taylor Made Designs episode. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, and it's TaylorMadeDesigns.com. However, the Taylor is spelled T-A-I-L-E-R. That's right. And my Instagram yeah. is at TaylorMadeDesigns. Okay. Thank you for joining us. It's been really enlightening, and um, I hope that people out there are listening and if they need the benefits of your services that they get to experience them with you such a angelic force <laughs> um this has been another maximum health uh, quality living brought to you in part by vel uh, vel health app is available for download on apple and google and really is a wonderful app available to help you navigate your own health all all five pillars are available for the approach of many different diseases. So check it out today, velhealth.com.